0: us for the latest message at Island Church. My topic tonight is confessing Christ publicly, if you're taking notes. Confessing Christ publicly. In the Christian life, you've got to start start the journey somewhere, whether you're five years old, ten years old, whenever Christ enters into your life, that's the start of your life. For my life, the start of my life was 1997. Before that, my life was pretty packed with going out to discos. I would have went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. I was a party goer, if you like. So I was out in the night scene every week without feel, giving it me a bit, dancing and moving around and doing all that kind of stuff. So when I gave my life to Christ in 1997, a thing changed within me. All that desire for going out and partying just left me like that. Now that was a big thing because that's what I lived for. That was my life. You told me that I wasn't going to go out to port rush on a Saturday night, I would have looked at you and says, no chance. I'm going. That's my life. So when Christ came into my life, I didn't want to go out anymore. I didn't want to go and party. I didn't want to go and do anything. My life completely changed. So the journey began in 1997 in September. And I remember that following uh, the, the months that lay ahead in, in July, July time, the Lord took me down to where? Portrush. Can you imagine that? He took me, and my first role in Portrush was at CSSM. It's a, it's a group that they met every, every summer for the kids, working with kids work. And I remember my first role at this was they would dig a big pulpit in the morning time, and it's a big sand pulpit where the team came on and done props. And my role as a Christian was to look after this pulpit and don't let any of the kids... Destroy it. My first rule. So I was up there with the speed, standing. If anybody went on that, I was to take them off. So that was my first role in CSSM. And that, that, that July time. So there I was, proudest punch, looking after this pulpit. And then we had to go and sing. Now I'm not a singer. And I'm not a, I'm not a good singer. I can't sing a note, okay? My wife can sing, other people can sing. I'm not a singer. So there we are, standing. and The full team was there. We were all standing with wee ham sheets. And I look around and I see all my friends from the city of Lincoln Courts and all around, all coming up partying, coming in a big party. And they are all shouting and roaring. And there was me. And the ham sheet was here. And then it's starting to go up here. And I was like, hope they don't see me. Gosh, they see me, they'll give me some slagging. That's not good. So I try to hide the ham sheet. And I, I didn't, they didn't see me, but you know it was, it's not easy at the start as you're a Christian, starting off. I didn't want anybody to know. I was like, I can't tell anybody, oh dear. And the first time that I was in Fort Meats, when that's where I worked in a meat plant, I worked there for 28 years, and I was standing there, and all the lads found out that I was saved. I give my life to Christ. Here we go. I'm just standing there working away. Oh, did you he hear Adrian Curry got saved? They give us life. He's one of them religious people now. He give his life to Jesus. Whoa. And I remember standing, and a big boy with tattoos all over him, tattoos in his head, D. Logan, you called him. He came up and he goes, oh, you know, Moses. Hi, hey, Moses. And, he, and that's what he called me, Moses. And I remember the reaction that I had. The Holy Spirit just moved upon me. I just lifted my arm and I says, you follow me and I'll take you to heaven. I'll get you into the promised land. I'll get you in. And From that moment on, that was it. It was I wasn't ashamed of Christ. From that moment on, I was not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't easy at the start. Because my friend was a Christian and he was getting slagging. He was getting, people would slag him about his Christianity and about Jesus and all this. So I didn't want that. (laughs) I didn't want to get hurt or slagged or called names or Bible basher or all that. I wanted to keep it sort of sweet. But it doesn't work out that way sometimes. So I just then, after that, that was it for me. I was not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ anymore. But it was just that that first wee bit, confessing Christ publicly. Then, you know, for years after that, I went on with the Lord and up and down, up and down. It's like everybody's life in here. It's not a rose garden every week. Ups and downs. There's ups and downs in the Christian faith but I'm still standing after so many years. 1997, I gave my life to Christ. He took me on a roller coaster all over the place, all over the world. Can you imagine a wee boy from Drummahoe going all over the world, preaching the gospel, laying hands on the sick, and seeing them getting healed? And that's all from there. What can he not do with us? When we give our life to him, what can he not do with us? There's nobody special in here. Everybody's the same. Everybody's in the same boat. We're all equal before the Lord. We're all equal before the Lord. So, as I say, my topic tonight is confessing Christ publicly. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. It says this, Therefore, whosoever, say whosoever. Whosoever. That's you. The whosoever is you, the whosoever is me. You see that? Whosoever, underline that, whosoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. You stick up for me, and I'll stick up for you. That's what he's saying. You confess me before men, and I'll confess you before my Heavenly Father up in heaven. What a deal! That's powerful to have that deal, isn't it? In Matthew's gospel, we see that Jesus has just called the 12 disciples to him in verse 1 of chapter 10. Let's look at that. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds. They say all. Everybody say all. All kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Is there a sickness that Jesus can't heal? Is there a disease that Jesus can't heal? All, all means everything. The last time I was at school, all meant everything. It must be the same way. I don't think it's changed in so many years. All, all diseases heal all sicknesses. So can you imagine? Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, taxman, James, son of Alphaeus, Liberius, Simon. The Canaanite and Judas Iscariot having this superpower. The 12 of them, they've got this now. They can go and lay hands on the sick and they're going to get healed. I don't know about you, but if somebody told me, here, I'm going to give you this supernatural power. I want you to go now and I want you to use this. I want you to use this. Go and do that. You'd be jumping up into your seat going, right, who's sick? Who do I know is sick? I know... Uh, my, my uncle's sick. Right, I'm going to go supernaturally. Watch this here, boys. Bring your cameras. Whoa, boom. There, no, you're not sick anymore. You would get excited, wouldn't you? Yeah. These 12 men now had this power at their disposal to go and lay hands on the sick and all diseases, everything that you can name under the sun, they could get the person better. Whoa, that's supernatural. So verse 5 of our scripture reading says, these 12 Jesus sent out, verse 8 of this scripture says, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, and raise the dead. Whoa, 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 boy, we've got some power here, the 12, looking at each other going, we can raise dead. I, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody with leprosy before. That's not a very nice thing to have. You could put your hand here in a hot stove and not feel it and just smell the burning of the hand. You wouldn't feel it. Parts of your body falling off you. When I was in Israel, I seen this. I seen people standing with all deformed bodies, leprosy. And these 12 now has the power to heal leprosy. Awesome when you think about it, folks. Awesome to heal the sick. And not only that, to raise the dead. These guys had the power to do that. He says it in the Word. And, and he says, to cast out demons, freely you have received and freely give. Yeah. Do you know there's people out there charging money? They get you better. Come to me, four sessions, 50 point of time, and you'll be okay. Freely you have received, freely give. Don't go to anybody that's going to charge you for healing. Come here and get it free. 50 pounds, 100 pounds, the amount of money that's going out to people who don't know the word and they're charging for to get healed and they're not even healed. That's counterfeit. That's not the real McCoy. Freely you have received, freely give. Now I don't know about you, but if somebody tells me who is in this very high role within the making of this earth, Jesus, if he tell me, that I can go forth and do these things, and he's, he's backing me. I'm going to go and enjoy myself and help as many people as I can. When I was in Ford meets, there was a manager in an area by the name of Eamon Collins. Anything that I needed, anything that I needed to do, I went directly to him. And you see, when he gave me the go-ahead, the green light to do what I asked him to do, nobody was stopping me. Other managers would have came along, what are you doing that for? I don't care. I've got sanctioned from the highest man in here to tell me I can do this. I'm not interested. I'm going to do it. Isn't that right? When your boss of boss says something for you to go and do, you go and you do it and you don't care what anybody else thinks. Is that right? Because that boss knew who he was. Other bosses haven't got a clue who they are. They're walking about, moping about, trying to control, trying to manipulate, but they don't have the final authority. If you go to the top boss, everything will be done there and then. We've got to be smart. Who's the CEO of this place? Who's this? What can I do? What can I not do? Jesus says you can go lay hands on the sick and they will recover. What a CEO to have. If Jesus says it, you can do it. The 12 was going out that day full of power and full of belief going, I can do this. I can do this. Friends, you're the same. There's no difference. Not a bit of difference. In Luke 10, we see that Jesus appointed 70 and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And verse 9 says, and heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. And look at Luke 10:17, it says, Then the seven day returned with joy. I don't know if you've ever been in a healing crusade. At the time that I went to Colombia with the team, we were over there and we see multitudes of people getting healed. They were queuing up just for prayer. Do you know why? Because they couldn't afford to go to a doctor. They had no money. They would come to us. They'd go to we church meeting. We Christian meeting where there was evangelists and people who could pray for the sick. And they were getting healed by the droves. And I don't know, but do you see the joy in my face when i seen people getting healed? The joy. Knowing that you could help somebody that was in need, truly in need. People were coming into the meeting And they were walking out free, from sickness and all disease, and anything that they had, they were walking out free completely. The joy that I had—it was awesome. And you know, even to train people on the job, there was a a girl there who was a translator, and you know, I was like, I was, I was showing, I was saying, "Right, I'm going to pray for this one. I'm going to show you how to do it," on the job training. The best kind of training you can get. Go to a Bible college, go on live, come out, dead. So this girl was working along with me. She was translating. Can you imagine translating me? (laughs) In Colombia? So I had to speak slow. Every time I speak with my wife, or if I do an Indonesian meeting, I have to speak slow to get translation over. So I was speaking, I was saying, I was praying away. I says, right, it's your turn. And she was going, and I says, you can do it, come on. And there was a man with a sore back, a young fellow with a sore back. And she was going, I says, it's okay, you can do this. She prayed with him, he got healed. She told me later on, do you know why I didn't want to pray with him? I says, why, why? Because I used to go with him. (laughs) I used to be his girlfriend. I didn't want to pray with him. But the man got, so he he got healed. The Lord healed him. And he was excited. He was hugging her and all, all day. And I didn't know that this was her boyfriend before. The Lord healed her. On the job training. God's good. He's a good God. He loves every one of them. So can you imagine this? These 70 come back with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even demons are subject to seven. They came back. So, can you see their faces? We joy. We prayed for people and they get healed. Woo! Awesome. We've seen uh, demons getting out of, driven out of people. Awesome. The joy that was on them 70 believers. When was the last time you had joy on you? The joy of the Lord is our, yes, it is, Nehemiah 10. We need to learn to have joy. We need to learn to do that ourselves because the word will steal you off your joy. Doesn't want you to be joyful. Doesn't want you to be happy. Doesn't want you to be sitting with a smile on your face. Joy for the Lord. Them 70 coming back buzzing. The 12 coming back. Wow, this is awesome. This is all powerful. Verse 19. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible and I learned this from my wife. Uh, way back, she sings it. I don't sing it, I say it. Behold, I give you, everybody say you, the authority, say authority, authority, to trample on serpents and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Who does Jesus give this power to? The authority to? You. You have it. You have the power. You have the authority. You have it at your disposal. You have it in your arsenal. You have it. He has given it to you. If I give you something, if I come down and I give you something, do I have it? I don't have it anymore. Who's got it? Now, she can write books with that pen she can do stuff with that pen or she can do absolutely nothing with the pen. The pen can sit like that, the ink can stay in it and it's worthless. And she'll die in 50 years time and that pen was never used. And she'll go before God on judgment day and God will say, I give you the authority, I give you everything, why did you not use it? I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know how to use it. So we need to learn how to use it. We need to learn how to use it. God's not going to do it for you. When you, you know, you could look at it and, oh, look, oh, that makes a mark. Oh, I can, wow, this is amazing. You know, I prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. Oh, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to keep praying because Jesus told me if I can lay hands on the sick, they will get healed. That's not my fault. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep using this pen. I'm going to use this pen out until it's dead. I'm going to use it. Brother Hagen, he got eight visitations by Jesus himself, came to him and spoke to him eight times. The third occasion that Jesus came to speak to him, near the end of the conversation, a demon-like form came up, like a smoke screen, dark smoke screen came up between him and Jesus. He could not see Jesus, and Jesus was, couldn't see him, because this monkey-like type demonic force came in and was going, A-k-a-k-a-k-a-k-a-k. and Brother Hagin was looking at him, going, get that thing away, I want to talk to Jesus, Jesus, do something about it, please do something about this, I need to talk, I need to talk to you, I need to hear what you've got to say. Brother Hagin got fed up with that demon thing, and he goes, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go, and the thing dropped to the ground. The smoke, the darkness came away, dropped to the ground and squiveling in the ground. Brother Hagen says to Jesus, why did you not get rid of that? He goes, I couldn't. And the Jesus, what do you mean you couldn't? I never heard you right, did I? No, I couldn't. What do you mean you couldn't? Well, I couldn't because I give you the authority to do that. You're my body on earth. I'm the head, but you're my body. I've given the authority to you. You're his hands, you're his feet on this earth. He's given you the authority. He's given it to you. What a responsibility. Isn't that powerful? He's given that to you. It's up to us what we do with. Do you hear me? You can go through your life. Okay, I'm just playing safe, brother. I'm just playing safe, Sister, I'm not going to go and, you know, tread on anybody's toes. Tread on the toes. You're only here once. Tread on the toes. Do what you have to do publicly. Confess Christ publicly. Tell them what you know. You've got the best information in you. Mm -hmm. I know people who are geniuses and smart and don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. I would rather know Jesus know how to get to heaven, than know all the rest of the knowledge in the world and do great jobs and get big finances. I know Christ. I know how to get to heaven. I can show you how to get to heaven. Best information on earth. Them 70 came back rejoicing and loving it. They loved it. But he's given you the authority, folks. Christ has given you the authority to go and do what God wants you to do. Now, you may say, that's all true and good. That was the 12, and that was the 70. What about us today in the 2022? Where do we come in in this? These guys were all around Jesus. You know, they were all knocking around him, and they've got all the authority. It was great to watch, but what about us? Glad you asked that. Mark's Gospel The 16th chapter, verse 15 and 18. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. They will follow those who believe. You don't go running after signs. They come after you. You don't need to run after them. They come after you. In my name they will cast out demons. As their demons today, you better believe it. Do they need cast out? You better believe it. They will speak with new tongues as their tongues today. You better believe it. It hasn't passed away with the disciples. It hasn't passed away with the seven It hasn't passed away with the twelve. Speak in tongues. Paul spoke in tongues more than anybody else. He was Walking distance and walking from city to city, speaking in tongues, heavenly language. Strengthens ye in the core, speaking in tongues. When was the last time you had a good session speaking in tongues before your father? They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Our job as a believer, folks, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go. That's what he told his disciples, go. That's what we're telling you, go. I've commanded you, go. Don't stay still. Don't stay still. Go. Keep on the move. It's hard to hit a moving target. Sometimes the devil has you eyed up And if you're just stationary, stand there like a statue, boom, you're hit. Got to move forward for Christ. No standing still. You stand still and you get hit. You got to keep moving. If I got you a job in a shop and you were just standing there like that, do you think I would employ you more? What would happen? Even if you're just standing about, we saw it in your hand, and you're letting on the work, you're still moving. You do nothing, but you're just walking about. Keep moving for God. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep active. Active service. You've got to be active service in your Christian walk. If you're stationary and the enemy comes, you'll not be able to defend yourself. That's why you've got to be active. Your adversary walks around always on the prowl. That's why we need to be active. James 4 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That word flee means run fast. You have the power to resist the devil. Devil is a defeated foe. Christ sorted it at the cross. You've got the authority over him. He's under your feet. And you're seated with Christ far above in heavenly places. Far above. As part of the body, even if you're the wee foot at the bottom of the soul, you're still, Satan's under your foot. And you're far above. Sitted in heavenly places. You're far above. Has that dropped in? Has the penny dropped? You're far above in heavenly places with him. Isn't it great to know that? Isn't it great to have that knowledge that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world? Satan is defeated, arsenal all gone. Christ kneeled it to the cross. And he took all his weaponry off him. And as a believer, we have the weapons. We have them. Belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes fitted for the gospel of peace, sword of the spirit, which is the word, the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, praying with all prayers and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians 6. You've got it. We've got to move around on it. We've got to know how to use it. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says, Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same suffering are expected by your brotherhood in the world. That word resist there means withstand, hold out against. I know every single person in this room has a weakness. You all have. I have. We've got to withstand when the enemy comes to that weakness. We've got to stand up with all our might sometimes because it just comes. It just comes upon you to slap you, to pull you down, to make you feel useless, to make you feel a nobody. We've got to stand and resist him, not assist him. We can't assist the devil. We must resist him. That means stand up against them and say to yourself, no, I'm not doing this. I know it's wrong. No, God, help me. Help me, Father. Stay away from this with all your might inside. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 says this, nor give place to the devil. That's just a wee line. Nor give place to the devil. Don't give the devil any place in your life. Because when he gets in, it's very hard to get him away because your mind. The enemy will hit you through your mind, your thinking pattern. And he gets you when you're weak. And he gets you when you're not well. And he makes you think all sorts of stuff. Don't let him in. Don't play with any of his tactics. Stay strong in the Lord. Paul speaks to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10. And he gives the list. He speaks of a spiritual gifts. There's nine spiritual gifts here. And as a young believer, I was crying out to God because I was going to church and coming home the same way I was going. And I says, God, there's more. I want to see what the book of Acts is all about. I want to see people getting healed. I want to see people getting delivered. I want to see all this. And I wasn't seeing it. So I started crying out to God in prayer. And I started praying these, Lord. I I pray for words of wisdom. I pray for knowledge. Pray for faith. I pray for gifts of healing. I pray for working of miracles, prophesying, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Because that was the nine gifts that was operating within the church at Corinth. And he, Paul, was talking about that church. You know, we have access to every one of them. Every single one of them you have access to. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, prophesying, discerning of spirits, where you can walk in their room and you know who likes you and you know who doesn't like you. (laughs) That's a big one, isn't it? Pastor, have you got that? Oh, I have it. I know when people like me, And when people don't want me, here comes that boy there. He's going to, oh, look, he's going to pray for somebody. She's a nut. He's a nut. Oh, stay away from it. Hey, discerning the Spirit. We weren't born yesterday. As you walk closer to Christ, you know who you can talk to and you know who not to waste time on. Don't waste your time on people who's going to take a hand out of you, it's their loss. So the church was moving in this. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says, "For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Church, we must not get this the other way around. For we walk by sight and not by faith. <laughs> Many people walk by sight and not by faith. And that's the wrong way about completely wrong. Can you imagine Noah standing there and God says to him, I want you to build an ark. And Noah looking around him saying, right, all the facts here, God, it has never rained on the earth. There's never been a flood. Nobody else is building a boat. Nobody else is doing this. What do you want me to do it for? Can you imagine Noah going like that, taking that kind of attitude towards God? God says, build a boat. And Noah did it. Now, it took him 120 years to do this. That's a long time to build a boat. And the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he was a preacher, is that right? Now, do you think as a preacher, he's got time to build a boat? I don't think so. Preachers have to learn, pray, and do all the stuff that preachers do. Preparation. Do all that. Stuck in the office. Writing. This thing. Shh. Oh, no, no, it's not going to work. Scrub it all. (gasps) He would have hired people in to build that boat, I believe. He would have brought professional people in. Here's the blueprint. I want you to build it. Here's the money. Go ahead. Not one of them guys went on that boat that built it. They all thought, no, it was nuts. Maybe people at your work think you're nuts because you're a Christian. Maybe your family members think you're nuts because you're a Christian. And you're OTT, over the top. She keeps going on about this. And, uh, and then a trouble hits, and then they go to you for help. Can I get an amen? Come on. They go to you for help because they know that they can get help from you because you've got some divine connection. You've got it. I want to, you know, many a time in my workplace, people would slag me and say all types of, and then they fall into hard times and they need help. Normally, it takes a six-week course to break a bone break or a rib break or whatever. People came to me at work. Boom. The Lord healed them. Back on their job again. Many a time, I prayed with people in the chill. These guys were slagging me and laughing at me behind my back. But when the Time came for prayer. They came to me. Go and pray for me, please. Go on. Oh, The wild sword, Rabbi. Okay, come on, quick. Bang. And the Lord healed them. And they went back to their normal duties. Over the years, it builds up and builds up. Lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It's a powerful journey if you're a Christian here tonight and you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. It's a, it's a tremendous journey to be on but we need to know what we've got and know how to use it. It's no good me coming in here and giving you an M45 or a submachine gun and you standing there looking at it. You've got the bullets, you've got everything and you stand there looking at it and don't even go out and try and fire it or don't even go about and try and do anything with it, but you just know I've got a bullet. (laughs) As I was driving over here the night, as we were getting this message all wrote up and the Holy Spirit says to me, go and just say this. Can you imagine Superman standing in here? Can you imagine Spider-Man standing in here? And all their giftings and all what they, uh, the characteristics built up of him. You know, and there's somebody in trouble over there. And Superman's just standing there going, Pastor's been doing a, 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 a service on identity, knowing who you are. Can you imagine Superman standing here? And somebody needs his help over there and he couldn't even fly. Because he never tried to fly before. And all this ability that's in Superman. He's just standing there and he... Go, on, go over and help him. I can't. I don't know how to help him. And all the abilities there. Spider-Man with his webs. Shh, sh, shh, shh. And there he's standing there. I, I can't help anybody. I've never... How do you do that? That's just the Christian church. Whole pile of Superman standing there with the capes on. Going to church on a Sunday morning. Coming in and sitting down and going home. Batman coming in, going home, not knowing who they are. The churches is like that. You should be superhero. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. There are more power penetrating through your body. You're the body of Christ. He's the head. You're the body. Superhero. Find out what you can do. Lay hands on the sick. See them getting recovered. And do it. It was great to see Superman flying over the falls and saving everybody and going into like a telegraph pole and just changing and coming out like super cape. Get into your prayer closet and come out and ask the Holy Spirit where you must go today. Ask them who you want to speak to. Stay in contact with your source. At all times. So Noah built that boat out of faith. 120 years it took him to build it. How many people was on the boat? Eight people. Only eight people got on that boat out of so many people. Three sons, three wives, and his wife. And Noah probably dragged a whole lot of them on. Sometimes you've got to drag people, don't you? Sometimes it has to be done. Sometimes you just got to drag people with you. And I guarantee you, for 120 years, do you think Satan wasn't coming to Noah saying, You're nuts. What are you doing this for? It's no good. It's not going to work. But Noah stayed focused. That's a message for somebody in here. You think it's not working. What's the use? God says, stay focused. Stay focused. It's going to take a long time. Stay focused. Because there's going to come a time where God needs you to do what he needs you to do. And if you aren't going to do what you're going to do, then everything's going to fall apart. Stay focused on what God's called you to do. Never give up. It probably took. <laughs> you ever see a sloth... God called all the animals, <laughs> all the giraffes, all everything else, and then there was the sloth. Everybody was saying to the sloth, would you hurry up and get on this boat? 120 years later, the sloth comes up the gangplank. Go on! They'll be all cheering him. Go on! You can do it! The wee sloth pride his punch coming up the gangplank. The turtle beat him. Can you imagine that? All different types of animals getting on that boat. Powerful. They all got saved and all the people perished. They all thought Noah was nuts. Screwless. What's he doing? Never rained a day in his life. But it was by faith he done that. So we walk by faith, not by sight. Things don't look right. I'm, I'm giving tithes on every week and it, it's not working. Keep going. Keep giving your tithes to God. I'm trying to live right in this ungodly world. Keep living right. People's watching you. You're their only hope. They don't read their Bible, they're your hope. You're their hope. You are their hope. I got a text message there. Like I was telling people about the chip and many years old in foreign meets. you know, going people's going to get a chip in their right hand for all that. That's over 20 years' work. I get text messages on Facebook. Flick, you were right. The people's getting the chip. That's a way back. Many people would text me, you're right about that. What you says 20 years ago, you were right. 20 years later, they're still thinking. The seeds are going on. Seeds, seeds, seeds you don't know the impact that you're having on people. You don't realize it. Keep planting the seeds. Keep showing love. Remember, I always go back to that sermon I had many years ago in 1 Corinthians. If you don't have love, you're nothing. You can give to the poor, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. Love is the key. Hebrews 11, verse 6, but without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everybody say diligently. That's a word, isn't it? Diligently. It means active, constant, earnest, hardworking, preserving, persistent, tireless. Constantly working for him. Diligently seeking him. diligently seeking him. Faith, that word faith means assurance, belief, confidence, dependence, trust, truth, truthfulness. Trust or confidence in a person or a thing, a strong conviction. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's Jesus talking. He's always with you wherever you are, Whatever you're going through, he is always with you. Now, time stops for nobody. It stops for absolute nobody. That's why we've got to be productive in our time. We have to be. We're not getting any younger. We're not. We're getting older. Isn't that right? Ten years. Twenty years ago, the World Trade Center get hit. 20 years, that's a long time. Can you remember it as if it was yesterday? All the older people on here, come on, tell me the truth. 20 years is a long time. 20 years, the World Trade Center get hit. If I had asked you that before, would you have told me 20 years? You would have said, oh, that's a couple of years. No, 20 years. September the 11th, 2001, the World Trade Center get hit. 2011, Osama Bin Laden, on May the 2nd, He's 10 years dead. 10 years, Osama bin Laden. I remember watching it in the house, watching it on TV as if it was last week. 10 years. 1977, August 16th, age 42. 39 years ago, who died? (laughs) Who died? Elvis Presley. He's died 39 years. Now you think he wouldn't be died 39 years, would you? Just think... It's a couple of years ago maybe because you so, see so much of Elvis, does not you? He's dead nearly 40 years. Flies in. Amy Winehouse, aged 27 years, passed 23rd of July, 2011. She's 10 years dead. She's dead 10 years already. not amazing? Ian Paisley, the 12th of September, 2014, aged 88. He's seven years dead. Martin McGuinness is dead five years. 2017. Five years he's dead. It just seems like last year or the year before he died. He's died five years already. Boom, time goes on like this. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago. He's not dead. He's alive. Grave couldn't hold the big man down. Time stops for nobody, folks. Get a reality check. We need to keep moving forward for God. Don't put things off today and let them go tomorrow. We've got to do it today because time flies. You're full of great ideas. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Ten years have passed and you've done nothing. That's why we've got to do it. When God tells you to do a thing, get it done. Get the thing done. Church, we must not hold back and confess in confessing Christ. We must not do it. Time's running out. Luke 12, 8 says, "'Whoever confesses me before men, "'him, the Son of Man, "'also will confess before the angels of God.'" Am I talking to any secret believers in here or online? You're a Christian, but you're a secret Christian. You haven't told anybody, or you're afraid to tell anybody because your mates will laugh at you or your friends will laugh at you. Nobody knows that you're saved. You've told no one. It has been months, and you've told no one. As you stop speaking Christ, as you stop going on and doing that, you're going to get into a habit of doing it where you'll eventually not bother speaking to anybody about Christ. And then you find yourself, what, in a backslidden condition. That's not a good position to be in. Trust me. That's not. That's why it's good to constantly be at meetings, be at a Wednesday night Bible study, be at a Sunday morning church, be somewhere around Christians. It's time to come out and start speaking about Jesus. It's time to come out of your comfort zone And tell people about Jesus. Start telling your friends, loved ones, work people. Don't be afraid to do it. What's keeping you back from going out and telling people? What will it take for you to start being active for Christ again? At one time you had fire in your belly. You loved going praying for the sick. My wife will tell you. My son will tell you. When I'm out with them, sometimes they look at me and they go, why are you studying that person for? And I'll say, he's got a sore hip, the right hip's down, the left hip's up, and they're going to go, don't you go up there and say nothing. Especially my son, he's so funny. Don't you be going over there, Dad, and saying to that person that he's got a sore back, and you'll, shh, say nothing. That's <laughs> so funny. But when you're hungry for God and you're hungry for the things of God and you want people to get set free... It's in you. It burns in you. Let light the fire. Stir up the gift that is within you. Can Christ stir up the gift or do you have to stir it up? You have to. You have to learn how to do this. Stir up the gift that is within you. Stir it up. Nicodemus and another guy in the New Testament. The cross, bring it out of them. It was the death of Jesus himself on the cross in John chapter 19, verse 38 and 39. A guy called Joseph of Arimathea and a guy called Nicodemus. Christ died on the cross and something changed in them. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, two old boys, they went into Pilate and they says to Pilate, I want his body off that tree. I want it. I'm going to take it. Now, they came out. They did not care what the Pharisees says anymore. They did not care what other people thought anymore. They says he was the Son of God. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Why do you think he came by night? So, as his friends wouldn't see him coming during the day. Isn't that right? In, in John chapter 3, he came to Jesus by night, early hours of the morning. And Jesus spoke to him, and, and then chapters later on, we see in John, he comes, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, the two of them, come to get Christ's body off the tree. This is, we don't care anymore what people think. It's good to be in that position where you don't care what your other people think. Because, see, if you start worrying what other people think, you know what will happen? This here, I'll just, as an instrument, it'll close up and nothing will be done. Not a thing will be done with it. And that's a waste. Don't worry about what other people think. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, two old boys, went and got Jesus' body off the tree. And they went and put it into Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. What legacy is that? Two old boys going in and doing it where all the disciples were hiding because the, the fear, these two old boys just went in and done it. He says, no, we're going to go. We know he's the son of God. We're, 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 we don't care. We're confessing him publicly. And they went down and they got him. You see, if they hadn't have done that, where do you think Jesus' body would have went? Threw in a heap outside the walls. Outside the walls, they just threw the bodies of the dead people in a heap. Outside the walls. So them two old boys went down and got them. Thank God for old boys. Thank God for people who came out and done it. You see, there's people that gets the job done. They might not be pretty, but they get the job done. That's what God's looking for. A lot of people, they're pre-Madonnas. They're, they're all over the place. They'll get nothing done. And they're fluting about churches. And they're trying this and they're trying that and they're, and they're doing nothing. It's better going in and doing it and being serious and doing it. I would rather have these people here than a full church of pre-Madonnas just sitting there looking up at the front doing nothing. I would rather have people who's in there in the trench and working for Christ, and doing what God wants them to do, than sitting there, letting on, counterfeits. Far better being out in the front line, doing it for God. Because he who stands up for him, he's going to stand up for you. Far better getting in there, getting the sleeves rolled up, and getting to work for Christ. Pastor, you don't need to do anything. Everything's done. Nonsense. You need to get your sleeves rolled up, And you need to get and do what God's called you to do. Nobody else is going to do it. It's good to keep at it for God. Two men who confess Christ publicly, not afraid anymore. It took the cross for them to come out. It took it. What will it take it for you to come out? What will it take it for you to come out online? Come out, do it. Time flies. Confessing Christ by acknowledging him with our lips. Romans 10:9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confession. When you speak it out, you will be saved. Confess him with thy mouth. When you're in love with somebody, you can't stop talking about him or her. Isn't that right? When you first met that handsome man, you were on the phone to your wee friend, oh, da, oh, oh, he's gorgeous. You want to see his teeth? Oh, the head of hair on him. Oh, he's something special. And you're confessing with your mouth, that you really love the guy. You're on the phone at midnight because your time zones are different and you're sitting there going, wow, wow. And your friends and families all around go, oh, I must see him. Oh, you have to let me see him. You have to let me see her. Isn't that right? When you're in love. When you're in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's no difference. You talk about him all the time. Confession, it's good to talk, isn't it? Psalm 107, verse 2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. That word redeemed means to recover by payment, to regain, to deliver from sin, to pay off, to restore, to favor, to make amends for. My life was in a mess before I met Christ. But I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed. I've been bought with a price. I feel like a million dollars standing here. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. All the power is living in you. Just need to learn how to use the thing. Isn't that right? Room wasn't built in a day. Get round somebody who prays for the sick. Watch them. See what they do. See how they operate. And learn from them. The closer we walk with the shepherd, the farther we are from the, sh- the wolf. The further we are from the wolf. Did you get that? The closer we walk with the shepherd, the further we are from the wolf. Before we came to know Jesus, the enemy's hands were all over us. All types of things, weaknesses and everything. Now we must not let our love grow cold for him. Here's a big challenge for all of us, friends. We can't afford to let our love go cold. Because if you're lukewarm, what does he say to the church in Revelation? If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Here's one of the hardest things to do in the Christian faith, to stay hot for him. Constant hotness. It's a big challenge for all of us, friends, to stay hot for Christ, to stay on the cutting edge for Christ. It's not all about being up in the front and doing this, and and, and it's what we do away from the front. It's what we do in our quiet times. It's how we react and how we go about our daily business. It's all about our foundation. That's a big thing. No lukewarmness. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be hot. We need to learn to be hot for Christ. The world is looking for Christians who are real, not fake. Others judge Christ by how we live, You ever see people going around? And they're depressed. Oh, I'm a Christian. Don't like her over there, but she's. No, I don't like her. No, That's not a good publicity, is it, for Christ? I'm depressed today. Um, that's not a good publicity for Christ, is it? It isn't like everybody wants to go about and say, I want what she has. <laughs> I want what he has. That's great. I want to be depressed as well. Oh, it's class. No. They only see the joy in you, don't they? When a man becomes a Christian, even his dog and cat should know it. (laughs) You see, you become a Christian, your pets should know it. What happened to him? don't know, but he's not kicking me anymore. He's not talking bad about me anymore. He's not cursing at me anymore. He's something changed. It's great. Only if your pets could talk, eh? There's something different about him. So something different about her. <laughs> I think it was in the Wheels revival that when they all got saved... They used to take the, I think it was the horses or the donkeys down under the, you know, the the mine. And they had to retrain the whole lot of them because they cursed. There was a trigger word for the donkeys or the, I think it was the donkeys or the horses. They used swear words for them to move and do all types of, you know, instructions. So when, when they all got saved, they didn't use the swear words and the donkeys didn't know where to go. And the horses didn't know what to do. So they were just looking around at them. So they had to retrain them. I think it was the Welsh Revival. I remember studying it. So God doesn't command sinners to go to church, but he does command the church to go to sinners. We are going to be starting an evangelist team very soon to go on the streets. Possibly maybe a Friday night, we're going to discuss it, we're going to pray about it. But that's what God's called us to do. I love praying for people on the streets, Lord healing them. Up Shippey Street, people getting healed. We were doing that a way back. The police would call us and say, thank you for going on the streets. The crime rates have gone down just because of the presence of us on the streets. Jesus was born in a borrowed manger. He preached from a borrowed boat. He entered Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. He ate the last supper in a borrowed upper room and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Now he asks to borrow the lives of Christians to reach the rest of the world. If we do not speak, then he is dumb and silent. You're the ones. I'm the ones that God's using as the body of Christ. You may be thinking to yourself, I can't tell people about Christ. Fear sets in. I can't pray. I can't do this. Listen. Behold the turtle. The turtle. He makes progress only when he sticks his neck out. Stick your neck out for Christ. It's worth it. You go places. Be sold out for Jesus. Hold nothing back. Luke 12, 8 and 10 says, Whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man, also will confess before the angels of God. And look at verse 9. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. I never want God to deny me. Never want him to deny me. That's why I want to stand up for him now. We need to get on fire again. There has to be a fire coming from in here. In our bellies. Up praying. Remember, you remember them times where you were up and you were praying in your room? You were praying. Nothing seemed to bother you. You were praying in your room. You were right in before the throne room of God. Nothing seemed to hizzle you. Nothing fizzled you. You were up there and you were in the presence of God. You were in praying, crying out for loved ones, crying out for brothers, sisters, family members. Husband, a wife. You were crying out. We need to get back to them days. We need to get back to get the fire back in our bellies again. Why? Who's got the authority? You. You've got the authority to do that. You've got the authority to lay hands on the sick. You've got the authority to change things. He's given it to you. You have it. Remember, what would you do if you'd seen a whole pile of supermen just stand there and they couldn't help anybody? It's a whist. I'm seeing a whole pile of superheroes here. doesn't matter what age you are. You're still a superhero. you still got the power. Your words have more power. We need to get active. Activate the presence of God in your life, folks. Don't be afraid to confess him before people. Stand up for him and he'll stand up for you. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located in the city at 76 Strand Road, and we would love for you to call in and join us. Details are on our website at islandchurch.co.uk.